you. Good evening. Um, I would like to call the Planning Commission meeting to order. And um, welcome to the September 26, 2023 Huntington Beach Planning Commission meeting. While the Planning Commission welcomes public involvement and free speech, it rejects comments from anyone that are discriminatory, defamatory, or otherwise not protected speech. Those comments will not inform nor be considered by the Planning Commission and may be cause for the chair to interrupt the speaker. Such comments will not be consented to or otherwise adopted by the Planning Commission in its discussions and findings for any matter tonight. Thank you. And at this point, um, I would like to call on Commissioner Acosta Galvin to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Will you please stand? Thank you. At this time, um, I'd like to have roll call, please. Yes, good evening, uh, Commissioner Adam. Present. Commissioner Acosta Galvan. Here. Vice Chair Twining. Here. Chair Pellman. Here. Commissioner Kennedy. Commissioner Rodriguez. Here. Uh, Commissioner Wood. Here. We have a quorum, thank you. Thank you. Um, at this point, now it's time for public comments for um, the items that that are not on the agenda this evening. Do we have any public comments? We have no public comments on items that are not on the agenda. Thank you. Next, we have a public uh, hearing item. It is Environmental Impact Report number 21-004, General Plan Amendment number 21-004, Zoning Map Amendment number 22-003, Zoning Text Amendment number 22-005 and uh, Conditional Use Permit number 21-024, Bolsa Chica Senior Living Community. Um, before I proceed to the next step, I'd like to ask commissioners, and I'll start with Commissioner Adam, if um, you have any disclosures regarding uh, this item, and do you have any? Uh, yes, I, uh, I've been to the site almost daily. I have talked to the, the applicant and I've talked to city staff. Thank you. Commissioner Kennedy? No disclosures other than I did drive the site a couple of times between both meetings. Uh, Commissioner Twining? Yes, I've just driven the site myself as, a, uh, as recent as today. Commissioner Wood? Yes, I visited the site and I uh, spoke to two of the uh, consultants for the, camp, for the applicant. Commissioner Rodriguez. Yes, uh, I spoke to a consultant uh, from the applicant. Uh, I also spoke to staff and um, I also walked the site. Commissioner Acosta-Galvin. Uh, I drove by the site, spoke to staff, and also spoke with a representative from the applicant. And myself, um, Chair Pellman. I um, had, I both spoke with uh, the applicant, representative, and I have visited the area on two occasions and drove around the area. Thank you. Okay, the next thing is staff. May we have a presentation, please? Yes, uh, Senior Planner Hayden Beckman will be giving the presentation this evening. Thank you. 
Thank you, Matt, and good evening, Madam Chair and fellow commissioners. We're here this evening to provide a proposed project referred to as the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Community. I'm Hayden Beckman, project planner, and following staff's presentation, the applicant and their team um, are here to also answer any questions, and they have a separate presentation as well. Um, just to begin, the project includes a total of five applications, a general plan amendment, a zoning map amendment, a zoning text amendment, a conditional use permit, and an environmental impact report, which I'll describe further shortly. And so before we dive into those entitlement requests, I'd like to introduce the project site. Uh, it is located at the southwest corner of Warner Avenue at uh, Bolsa Chica Street. I think the image should be coming up shortly. And the project site includes two parcels that combine for just over three acres in gross lot size. The site is outlined here in yellow and is currently developed with two uh, commercial buildings. One is two stories and one is three stories, totaling 55,000 square feet of total space. And this would be removed upon project implementation. Across Warner Avenue to the north are a Walgreens and a CVS pharmacy on opposite corners of Bolsa Chica. Across Bolsa Chica to the east is the existing Harbor Tire Pros at the corner and single family residential farther south. The project site shares its southern property line with an existing Frontier Communications office building and directly to the west are the Monticello residential apartments. The project request includes conditional use permit number 21024, and it is a request to demolish 55,000 square feet of existing commercial space and construct a new five-story, approximately 298,000 square foot convalescent facility with on-site alcohol sales and consumption at a maximum overall height of 65 feet. The facility would consist of 202 total units, a subterranean parking garage, and associated hardscape and landscape improvements. It is on a property uh, with a grade differential that is greater than three feet, and the project would include over 25,000 cubic yards of excavation. More specifically, of the 202 units of the proposed facility, 28 would be memory care units, 72 would be assisted living, and 102 would be independent living units. The subterranean parking garage would include 189 uh, total parking spaces. There are four other entitlement requests that complete the proposed project's applications. As I mentioned, the environmental impact report would analyze the potential environmental impacts associated with the project. The general plan amendment is a request to amend the land use designation of the subject site from commercial general to mixed use with a specific plan overlay. The zoning map amendment would amend the zoning designation of the site from commercial general to a specific plan. And the zoning text amendment establishes the Bolsa Chica senior living community specific plan over the subject site. And so as I mentioned, the general plan amendment would revise the current designation. This with surrounding uses, as you can see, they include both commercial general, residential medium density, and public semi-public uses. And the CG zone would be replaced with mixed use and a specific plan overlay. The zoning map, um, the project site is currently designated on the zoning map as CG and shown here with surrounding land uses. The uh, request for a zoning map amendment would revise this designation from CG to the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Community Specific Plan. As abbreviated, it would be SP19. This would constitute the 19th specific plan should it be adopted at the City Council. This own map amendment request would, via designating the site for a new specific plan, provide for the orderly development of the subject of the site to ultimately create a cohesive senior living community. Adoption of the zoning map amendment would be in conformity with public convenience, general welfare, and good zoning practice because the zoning, the specific plan designation would implement the proposed general plan land use designations that includes a specific plan overlay. 
The zoning text amendment, as I mentioned, establishes a new specific plan, and um, the draft specific plan does provide for development standards and a wide range of care options and amenities that are proposed with this project to age in place, which are integral to the successful operation of the community are included. Um, I have a brief graph that kind of compares some of the development standards that are currently in the CG zone with those that are included in the specific plan. The specific plan will serve as the zoning ordinance for the site and would be supplemented by the code for any provisions that are not addressed or customized by the specific plan. In comparison, the project is largely consistent with existing development standards of the CG zone. Under the proposed specific plan, there are a few areas of deviation. Uh, the height of pr pr the proposed structure is 65 feet, whereas the maximum height in the CG zone is currently 50 feet. Parking for the proposed project would generate a requirement of 209 spaces under current code, um, but following a parking analysis for the project and based on the proposed number of units, a total of 189 parking spaces are provided which would meet demand for this type of land use. Finally, current code stipulates a floor area ratio maximum of 1.5 in the CG zone. The specific plan would establish a maximum floor area ratio of 2.5, and the project FAR is calculated to be 2.42. It is important to note that the floor area ratio of a specific plan area of approximately three acres is comparable with the densities of specific plans that would include otherwise larger planning areas. So here is the floor plan for the subterranean garage. It will, uh, as I mentioned before, it'll, it'll provide a total of 189 parking spaces that include spaces for ADA and cleaner vehicles. There would be a total of three stairway access points outlined in green and four elevators at three access points for residents outlined in pink. There will also be one service elevator for employees. Parking demand was analyzed in a project-specific uh, parking study that compared the zoning code's calculation with current industry standards and peak demand. Current code would require 209 spaces, whereas the study conservatively estimates that peak demand for parking would not exceed 166 spaces. To provide flexibility for the operation of the proposed community, the specific plan requires 189 on-site spaces. This does not include four at-grade spaces that are provided in the uh, at-grade uh, drop-off area facing Bolsa Chica. A senior living land use does not generate parking demand that's equal to that of either a residential or commercial-only project. As such, parking demand is reduced as are daily trips for evaluating the potential for traffic or transportation impacts. Of particular importance also is access onto and away from the site. And briefly covering in the operation, the facility will remain open and staffed 24 seven. This use will be a controlled environment limiting access to persons either entering or leaving the building. And uh, the in project includes the subterranean parking garage for residents, their guests, and employees of the use. The subterranean garage is accessed, indicated here by um, a double red arrow, in a single two-way driveway located along the Bolsa Chica frontage. A little bit farther north along Bolsa Chica is the passenger drop-off area. And there's also two emergency uh, vehicle lanes. And there will be a dedicated right-in, right-out only driveway off of Warner to provide access for emergency vehicles, service vehicles, and also waste vehicles. Here are the east and north elevations for the project. These are fully rendered to show the colors, materials, and land proposed landscaping. Now it is a bit hard to see, but the maximum building height here is 65 feet. 
under existing commercial general requirements, an additional 10 feet of overall height is permitted, but only for parapet walls, stairways, elevators, and mechanical equipment. And this additional space is, is allowed to provide screening for that equipment and enhancement of the elevations that would, that would incorporate these elements into the overall design of the building. The proposed specific plan would permit a max overall height of 65 feet and five stories. Um, the zoning code also allows four feet, these would be parapet wall allowances, um, to accommodate, uh, I already mentioned that, I'm sorry, I'll move on. Here's a section drawing uh, that helps to kind of break down those various requirements I just mentioned. First, the overall maximum building height is 65 feet. Now, indicated here in shading is the occupied space and mass of the building. Now, this would actually measure out to 64 feet, three inches. The specific plan would also allow an additional four feet of height for parapet walls. And there's your parapet walls on the proposed building. This again is to screen rooftop mechanical equipment, and this is the same requirement that currently exists in the code. The specific plan makes the same accommodation for an additional 10 feet in height, and this enables a roof access stairway that would measure overall 73 feet 11 inches, and that's indicated here in pink. And therefore, the proposed project doesn't include any portion of the primary habitable building that would exceed 65 feet. The proposed increase in maximum height is to accommodate a custom design for the senior living community, wherein each floor is specifically designed to accommodate an adequate level of comfort and access for the living spaces. Staff has evaluated the proposed height of the project and finds that the height differential, when compared to the maximum development standards of the commercial general zone, to be compatible in that the project provides uh, an additional upper story setback to offset the primary massing of the fifth floor. There were, uh, just to briefly summarize, the Planning Commission did hold a study session on August 22nd. Um, there was one public comment at the meeting in opposition. Uh, at that time, we were also collecting um, over about 50 comment letters, part of the draft EIR. The response to those comments is included in the final EIR, which was posted online. Uh, at tonight's, for tonight's public hearing, staff did receive a total of 18 comment letters. Uh, seven of them are in support, 11 of them are in opposition. The comment letters generally talk about uh, three primary areas of concern, um, potential traffic impacts, building size, and how employees would, it, would impact. Um, the initial study portion of this project's EIR analyzed for potential impacts uh, based on traffic, uh, identified through levels, uh, thresholds of significance as established in the California Environmental Quality Act. Now to assess impact, project trips that are generated during construction or operation of the project are calculated based on established trip generation rates. And the initial study identified that the project would result in a net reduction of 410 daily trips to the project site. Um, this net reduction is attributed to the change in use and the fact that commercial uses do generate more trips than a senior living community. Uh, the second ident uh, identified issue would be the building size and, and generally this would be a policy decision but as discussed here and at the study session, the project's design does incorporate numerous features that reduce the bulk and massing, which would make it consistent with the design guideline, the city's design guidelines and those of the proposed specific plan. Um, finally, for employees, it is estimated um, that there would be uh, a total of 110 employees, but again, remember the project would operate over 24 hours daily, uh, and that means that there would be three shifts, estimated to have three shifts, um, and 
the number of employees on site during various shifts at any given time is anticipated, anticipated to be 80. And if you break it over between a day shift, a second shift, and overnight, you would have about 38 employees on site for the day shift. You would have 32 estimated for the second shift and approximately 10 for an overnight shift. And so th those numbers were included in, in the project's parking demand study. Finally, I wanted to talk about the uh, final environmental impact report. Uh, the project was analyzed under final EIR 21004. The EIR process began in November 2022 when the city issued a notice of preparation and hosted a scoping meeting to highlight the areas of analysis that would be included. By May 20 of 23, the draft EIR had been uh, was completed and it was circulated for a 45-day public review period. Staff received a total of 50 comment letters from both agencies and interested parties. And as I mentioned before, the response to those comments and an errata to identify one revision during public review period is included in the final EIR document. The draft EIR concluded that the environmental impacts as a result of project implementation would not result in any significant unavoidable adverse impacts. All significant environmental impacts, which can be feasibly mitigated or avoided, have been mitigated or avoided by incorporation of project design features, standard code requirements, and proposed mitigation measures. Chapter four of the draft EIR includes proposed mitigation measures for potentially significant impacts to cultural resources, geology and soil, and tribal cultural resources to ensure that no significant adverse impacts uh, to the environment would occur. The mitigation monitoring and reporting program is included as attachment number 13 to the staff report, and the mitigation measures have been incorporated into conditions of approval for the project. So the Planning Commission has discretionary authority over the requested conditional use permit. Staff is recommending that the Planning Commission approve CUP number 21024 with findings and suggested conditions because the project is located on a site that is physically suitable for the type and density of development and can accommodate the new facility and improvements in compliance with applicable city standards and the proposed specific plan. Now, as discussed in the EIR, the project would result in a net reduction of daily trips when compared to the existing commercial uses on the project site. The proposed uses will be compatible with the surrounding uses and is consistent with the applicable general plan goals and policies. The project would provide an appropriate infill development on an underutilized lot and provides a mix of housing types to meet the economic, social, and housing needs of the community. Staff also requests that the Planning Commission recommend the following actions to City Council, that the Planning Commission recommend to certify EIR 21004 as adequate and complete, and also recommend to adopt General Plan Amendment 21004, Zoning Map Amendment 21003, and Zoning Text Amendment 22005. That concludes staff's presentation. Um, staff is joined tonight by Ryan Bensley of LSA, whose team prepared the environmental impact report for the project. He is available remotely. And also present tonight, as I mentioned, is the applicant, Tom Lawless of Hines and his team, who also have a prepared presentation for the commission. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Beckman. Um, just one second, I just have to look at a couple of things. Okay, at this time, um, do uh, commissioners have any questions of staff at this time? And, um, and I can call on commissioners. Oh, there we go. Um, Commissioner Rodriguez? Yes, just a quick question for staff. Um, 
So during the study session, it was stated that none of the units would go towards our RENA numbers. And uh, my conversations with uh, staff, uh, to my understanding, is that that has changed. So if you could provide sort of an update, um, Mr. Beckman. Sure, thank you. Following that discussion, we did uh, look into that internally. And for the purposes of achieving the RENA numbers, um, the independent living units component of this project um, could be considered for moderate to high income levels for uh, affordable units. And those, those could be captured um, retroactively when there is action on a housing element in the future, but that could be uh, included as part of this project. Okay. And then <clears throat> in the report that we received today, the PowerPoint presentation, it says 202 units, but in the specific plan 19, it says up to 215. So could you sort of explain? Sure, I'd be happy to. So when the project kicked off and the EIR um, began its process of analyzing the project, the, the narrative and, and the scope of the project was for 215 units. Mm -hmm. um, that number has since been revised to 202. Yeah. However, the analysis of the environmental impacts and the specific plan uh, remains static. And so that would be what the proposed project maximum outcome would be. What the conditional use permit would approve tonight before the Planning Commission is 202 units. So we actually have a request from the applicant wherein they are requesting approval of only 202, even though 215 had been analyzed. So that would mean that we could go back and add, instead of putting 215, we could put 202 on the specific plan or just keep it at 215 at this point? Well, for the purposes of analysis, we, we would keep it at 215. Okay, so they could still move up to 215 if they so wished in the future. Just to clarify, um, the request before you tonight would be approval for 202 units. Okay. If they wanted to exceed that, that would require a subsequent action. Okay. But the underlying zoning document, the specific plan, uh, and environmental analysis analyzed up to 215. Okay. And then could you explain to the reasoning why we need to do a specific plan um, for just for this site? Because um, I know as we discussed, um, so downtown has a specific plan, Beach and Edinger Corridor has their own. Uh, could you sort of explain the, the reasoning behind having a specific plan just for this site? Sure. So. In the context of the, the zoning code, chapter 215 does identify the provisions for establishing specific plans. And those, that direction can either come from the city council mm -hmm. or it could also be a property owner or property owners that want to propose a specific plan for a, a defined portion of the community. Mm -hmm. Typically, if it's a city council directed specific plan, it's for a larger area. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, if it's a private specific plan that's being proposed, the zoning code has an established uh, minimum size of two acres, uh, and this project does exceed that. It is uh, about three net acres. Um, so both of them are currently um, acceptable metrics for establishing zoning uh, development standards. Okay. And then my last question is for, uh, I believe, Public Works. So I walked the four corners of the intersection, and the, 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 you know, when you push the button to cross and you see the, the, the stop sign or the sign to walk, uh, those are pretty old school, so they don't, I mean, if, it's a, if, the, if we have a facility for the elderly, I, I would hope that the city would look into upgrading 
those, you know, the, the newer ones make beeping sounds for those that are, you know, hearing impaired. Also, uh, those that are legally blind, you know, is there some sort of uh, way that we can address that as we move forward with, if, if we move forward with the project? Uh, so Commissioner Rodriguez, as we do with intersections and development projects, we do monitor the locations to see if we need to make any changes to whatever they, whether it's signal facing for the vehicles or for pedestrian facing. And that would come through the impact fees from the development itself, or is that sort of on a schedule? So anything done to modify the signal to accommodate the residents of that facility would be done in the public works budget. Okay. Thank you. Um, next would be Commissioner Adam. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Hayden, this question is for you. I want to clarify something in the alternatives analysis. Can you, I think it states it, but can you compare the, the proposed project with the maximum allowable project under existing zoning? Just do a zoning by zoning comparison of the projects? So in, in reference, I, th I think you're referring to section 5.2, where Correct. the EIR does identify uh, selection of alternatives. And the EIR talks about both a no project alternative and a maximum build out in the context of um, meeting CEQA guidelines. So the max, I'm looking at the maximum. The maximum. Yeah. So from a zoning perspective, the maximum looked at what would be a most likely uh, project should the proposed project not move forward. And so in that context, um, the document looks at current development standards and assumes a certain amount of new commercial development. And so in that, it is a comparison of what zoning could provide for under current code with no specific plan, and then compares that to the proposed project under the proposed specific plan. And so in that comparison, it, it seeks to provide that kind of context. Um, and, and it does so, and there's a couple conclusions that the document makes in that section. So, is that, so it could do a 200,000 square foot building up to 50 feet in height, and it could have a potential demand, daily chip demand of up to 7,500? Is that? Under, under current code, under, current under the code. maximum development standards allowable, that's correct. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Twining? Yeah, this question's for Hayden too. Hayden, can you just, um, just give me a, a quick uh, uh, review on uh, floor ratio and how that's calculated? Sure, so floor area ratio is, again, just a ratio, but if you, it's, it's based on the size of a property and how much uh, occupied building space can be on that property. And so it's kind of an inverse relationship. Um, and in certain cases, it's used as a maximum. It can also be used as a minimum. Under current zoning requirements, there's a floor area ratio of the CG zone of 1.5. And that means that you can build occupiable square footage 1.5 times the net square footage of the property. And the specific plan is proposing an alternative to 1.5, it's proposing 2.5. And so effectively, the specific plan would allow for more occupiable building space than under the ZSO. And that's one of the deviations that the specific plan is proposing to make. Um, let's see, Commissioner Rodriguez. Yeah, just one last question. Uh, it, I know that I received an email with um, numerous, you know, concerns, but one of the concerns was uh, the setback of 10 feet. And under current standards, if the 
applicant or the property owner wanted to redevelop that area as commercial general, they're still allowed 10 feet of uh, space, correct? Um, to what the current applicant is stating? Well, yes, the, the specific plan is utilizing the current setbacks of the CG zone, and so that would be 10 feet for front and street side. Okay, so it would be the same, essentially? Uh, effectively. Okay. Commissioner Wood. Yeah, one question for staff. In the um, findings for approval for the conditional use permit, I see two different quantities of earthwork. I see 25,000 yards and I see 55,000 yards. I think it, is that in a, I'm sorry, is that in a, would, could you point me in the direction of the finding? Yeah, it's uh, attachment 1.4. Okay. First condition under the conditional use permit. So, Commissioner Wood, that's most likely a, a typo. Um, just for the purposes of the record, I want to clarify the two figures. 55,000, um, if it's referenced in the, in the documents, is, is a reference to the existing amount of commercial square footage on the two properties. 25,000 is a threshold that's established in the zoning code for what would trigger a conditional use permit if the project were to involve more than 25,000 cubic yards of excavation. Uh, so we reference both of them to provide context of what the existing site is, but I think if you're, if you're reading in the, uh, the findings, we're probably wanting to clarify that it's 25,000 cubic yards of excavation because that's a trigger for a conditional use permit. Got it. Thank you. Are there any other commissioners that have questions? Okay, so if there's no further uh, questions from commissioners, we will now open the public hearing. And do we have anyone signed up to speak? Yes, we have um, 15 speakers currently signed up. I'm gonna call the first half. Okay. Um, if, you wish, if you wish to speak and have not done so. Sorry to interrupt, the, the applicant does uh, have a presentation and has put in speaker slips. Sometimes it's more efficient to allow them to present as a group, but it's at your discretion. Yeah. I, I would like the applicant first, please. Okay, thank you. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Thank you. And um, if you could, in your uh, presentation, hit on traffic, and I know Mr. Beckman did, hit, hit on the um, alcohol. That was a concern. Um, and basically, that, that would be the two big ones, okay? Thank you. Thanks for having us again here. Uh, we really appreciate it. Again, my name is Thomas Lawless. I'm with Heinz, and this is Christopher Hilbert with uh, Clearwater Senior Living. Uh, I'm gonna keep my comments brief because we did uh, discuss a lot of this at the study session, but our main message tonight is that Huntington Beach has a severe need for more senior housing, and we intend to build the best project in the city where seniors can age in place, close to their family and friends, engage in lifelong enrichment, overcome social isolation, and also reduce traffic from the status quo. So uh, Huntington Beach needs, needs more senior living. Uh, the population is increasingly getting older. As everyone here knows, the baby boomers are retiring, uh, and Huntington Beach is ahead of the curve. Already one out of four Huntington Beach residents are over 60, and that's projected to double over the next 20 years. Uh, these seniors may be living in multi-story, single-family homes, potentially with a spouse who may have passed away, and those can become un unsustainable, unsafe, and socially isolating environments. You know, and the city has not necessarily kept up 
with planning for more senior living options. Uh, in just two years, the over 65 population is projected to be around 70,000 residents in the city. And with this project, the total supply of senior living units would be 1,000 in the city. Uh, because of this imbalance, seniors are forced to look outside of Huntington Beach, away from their fam family and friends to, to find places to live. Uh, not only that, but the average age of the senior living units here in the city is 23 years old. And you know, what seniors are demanding these days has changed. Uh, our intent is to deliver a facility that Seniors and their families can be proud of with a wide ranging array of amenities, social engagement opportunities, lifelong enrichment programs with a partnership with Golden West College, uh, and most importantly, a continuum of care housing folks from independent living, assisted living through memory care, and these seniors don't have to leave the community as they move through those levels of care. You know, providing these facilities in an existing commercial zone such as Warner and Bolsa Chica across the street from two pharmacies nearby a dialysis facility, nearby the walking trails of Bolsa Chica, and outside of a purely residential neighborhood feels like an ideal location for a, a use of this type. Um, so Heinz and Clearwater have uh, worked together quite a, a lot. Uh, we're best-in-class developers, and that's why we're looking to build a best-in-class project here in Huntington Beach. You know, our team is Orange County-based. We have a track record of over 50 years. And you know, we really look forward to delivering an amazing project for the city. I do briefly want to touch on some community benefits of the project and uh, some issues that have been brought up in comments. First, uh, this frees up existing housing. As seniors move out of their homes into this facility, that will free up homes in Huntington Beach for others to move into without building a single new unit. And roughly 80% of independent living residents are moving out of larger single family homes. Second, this project actually reduces traffic our EIR studied the traffic impact, and our project versus the current office and retail use reduces traffic by half. Um, and that's also removing all uh, access points on Warner Avenue, except for only service vehicles. So we currently have multiple curb cuts on Warner that people can access the site through, and our project would only allow service vehicles to enter on Warner. The primary traffic is directed to Bolsa Chica, which is a little bit of a slower street. And to those who are still skeptical about traffic, as you might imagine, memory care residents and assisted living residents don't drive. Independent living residents, some do drink, bring a car, about 30% of residents bring a car, uh, but they drive very infrequently. And as we already discussed, uh, we look to roughly have about 40 employees maximum at any given time. So if you look at the number of independent living units at around 100, 30 residents bring a car, they're not really driving, that's 30 cars. And then you have a maximum of 40 employees at any time, that's roughly 70 vehicles. You know, if you drive by the site today with the existing law offices, a salon, a karate facility, a, uh, fast food restaurants, there's more than 45 cars there parked today. Um, and it's not even 100% occupied. Uh, third, this site is bound to be redeveloped eventually. Uh, outdated suburban office projects are in dire straits, as the group knows. And for those who are concerned about a specific plan here, you know, we do want to note that the existing general plan, as just discussed, does accommodate a more extreme use than we were proposing. Uh, by right, without planning commission oversight, the site could be turned into a 180,000 square foot medical office building or 180,000 square feet of retail, um, you know, potentially with doctor's offices and a revolving door of patients coming and going. Uh, both of those projects produce 12 times the amount of vehicle trips that our project is proposed to, to provide. So one could imagine a developer coming in, replacing this uh, derelict, derelict office building with a TJ Maxx, a hardware store, you know, a Walmart neighborhood market, any of those are by right. 
um, or a multi-story medical office building that's 50, 50 feet high. You know, instead we're proposing a project where very few residents drive, the peak employee count is below what we see at the current site today, and you know, these are folks that go to bed early and there's subterranean park parking which reduces the noise. Uh, the city would be hard pressed in our opinion to find an alternative use for this location that um, would be better than a senior living community. And finally, we do want to address the height. We acknowledge citizens are concerned about the height. We want to be clear why we have designed it this way. Uh, it's provided a best-in-class project with amenities and an enriching environment. And so seniors need to enjoy the outdoors just like all of us, but in a controlled environment, uh, which is why our building has a massive uh, donut hole in the center, as well as an area in the back with a pool that is completely open air, but also self-contained. You know, these seniors need a place to be outside and it can't be directly in front of the building. So we've cut out a lot of the space on the interior, which has forced us to go up a little bit. Um, a smaller project could not provide the need for outdoor bucolic space, multiple dining options, uh, a pool, a gym, a salon, et cetera. You know, seniors who rarely leave their building don't want to be stuck at a project where they go to the same cafeteria every day and they have no outdoor options to relax and they lack an exciting and diverse activity spaces. Um, as Huntington Beach leaders have said, the city is fully built out. And if we could find a 10-acre site to build a three-story community with these type of amenities, we would love to do that. But this simply does not exist. The reality is the only way to house the growing Huntington Beach senior population in a community that our seniors demand and deserve is to build one level higher than the current general plan accommodates. I'll hand it off to Christopher to talk about services. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate my development partner going in depth in terms of the design and location. I'm primarily focused on the quality of life of our residents. Um, two things come to mind when we think about that. The first is that the, the, the component that is most important is proximity to family. Um, given, the, given the availability of available housing for uh, seniors in, the, in Huntington Beach today, we see a lot of, fam a lot of loved ones are moving to South Orange County uh, Newport Beach and then north towards Los Alamitos and Seattle Beach. We think this provides an opportunity to keep Huntington Beach residents in Huntington Beach close to their friends and families. The second portion of that that is important is socialization. Um, I'm sure you've all heard recent studies that compared isolation and loneliness to smoking upwards of two packs a day of cigarettes. That's just not healthy in the long term for any Huntington Beach residents, much less seniors. So we created a vibrant um, resort-style living environment for our residents that has multiple opportunities uh, to engage with other residents, uh, with team members, uh, with, uh, with friends and family throughout the community that we are developing. I think part of what we touched base on was that um, we provide a continuous uh, continuum of care for our residents. So residents can move in at very independent in our independent living spaces um, and age in place over time to avail themselves of more and more services as they need them. To say that any, uh, any age or any, uh, um, any specific need for a senior is blanket would be, uh, would be erroneous. So let's just say that we, we target uh, what we find is the greatest needs of our community um, as they age in place. So you'll have uh, everything from multiple dining options. Um, I'll touch base uh, on... Um, um, the point about alcohol, as it turns out, some of our seniors do like to have occasional glass of wine or a cocktail. Um, and given that we're focused on quality of life and we do provide uh, dining on space for our residents and their guests, 
um, there will be opportunities for alcohol sales uh, in accordance with all the California state laws. Um, but again, that's for our residents and their guests. Um, we continue to focus and have designed um, a community um, that has best-in-class uh, amenities throughout. Why is this? As, as we pointed, uh, as my development partner pointed out, it, the fact is the majority of our assisted living and memory care residents spend the majority of their time at our community. So we want to provide both indoor and outdoor um, uh, opportunities for them to participate in activities. We have multiple dining venues. Um, and we also have places that are really engaging for families and friends to come and join our residents. Again, the two things, socialization and being in close proximity to, to family and friends. Uh, quite simply, it's about providing the best living opportunity um, for these folks um, as they age in place without a need to move uh, from the community itself. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Ms. DeCoy? Okay, I'm gonna call down the first half of our 15 speakers. Please come down to the podiums and line up at each microphone. Um, the following speakers, please come down. Paul Geary, John Villa, Brian Genovese, apologies if I mispronounce anyone's name, Philip Smith, Taylor Friend, Rebecca Loggenwalter, Randall Mihara and Liza. Ready? Mr. Gary. Hi, my name is Paul Geary. I'm a long-term resident of Huntington Beach. Um, I live in Huntington Harbor, close to the, on Davenport Island, close to the uh, project that you're talking about. Um, I've had a situation in my family where my dad lived in a, a living facility, something like this. And I have two uh, in-laws um, who live close by and they're getting to the age where this becomes something that's really relevant to me. So I'm, uh, I'm for this. I think it would be a great uh, addition uh, uh, in comparison to what's there now. And I don't see uh, it, Huntington Beach, you know, as the developers just talked about, I don't see us developing these kind of facilities anywhere, and uh, I'd like to see it, so that's my input. Thank you, Mr. Gary. Next, Mr. Villa. Yes. Hello, uh, commissioners. My name is John Villa, and I'm here tonight uh, to speak in support of the project. Uh, I'm the executive director for the Huntington Beach Wetlands Conservancy. I'm on the board of directors for Visit HB. I'm an appointed commissioner for the HB Public Works Commission. I'm on the board of the directors for the HB Chamber of Commerce. And then I'm the executive director and CFO for the Huntington Beach Council on Aging. I do a lot for this community. I do a lot for the city and I wanna see it grow. And I also wanna see this type of facility for our seniors in place. I wouldn't be on the HB Council on Aging if I didn't feel that it was important for us. I'm also a resident of a senior living facility, not, excuse me, senior living, a residence um, landmark, if you're familiar with that yeah. uh, facility. Yes. I live there. Yes. I understand the importance of communities like this for which amenities within the community um, and offer a way to remain in HB but downsize as a larger home to, to something that's more manageable. I also see a need for the communities for, like this for which can ha uh, help families with loved ones 
live nearby and stay close by to the, the friends, family that they um, need to be near. So recently, as the gentleman before me just said, I took care of a father as he transitioned from his own home to living in a senior community, then assisted living, then to a personal care at home facility here in Huntington Beach, and ultimately to a hospital. And the biggest problem he always faced was transition. You never know who your next care for, uh, person was gonna be, mm -hmm. your friends are gonna be, because as you change from one facility to the next, it all changed. Now here's a man that retired from the Air Force, that had to move every year, and this was the worst transition for him he ever faced in his life. I would like to not have that happen to other seniors here in our community. Moving from one facility to another caused my dad a lot of stress. It was difficult for him, and that was never an issue for him. He's like me, very outward, but he, he found it very difficult to transition from one facility to another. And in addition, as I mentioned, I'm on the Huntington Beach Chamber of Commerce, and I know the Chamber of Commerce has submitted a letter of support for this uh, facility. Mm -hmm. So with everything said, I just want you to know, as a citizen of the community that's very interested to see what, where this community grows, goes and grows, I'm in favor uh, of this facility. So thank you. Thank you. Next, Mr. Genovese. Is that right? <laughs> Am I close? Hi, you are, you're very close. Uh, my name is Brian Genetes, and uh, good evening, esteemed uh, commissioners and city staff. Thank you for the opportunity to address you guys this evening about the project and the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Project. Um, I'm a realtor and also a resident of Huntington Beach, um, and my, my grandparents bought a house here in 1966, so I've been here over 50 years. <laughs> so, you know, been there since Thrifty Mart was over where 24-hour fitness is, and um, Metal Arc Airport was here, so a lot of changes happening in the city, and that's what it's all about. It's all about change and all about growing with the community and the population, and obviously the baby boomers, which is my dad's generation, is, you know, getting to a point where they're in their mid to late 70s and going into their 80s, and, uh, and my grandfather's in his 90s right now. And um, from a selfish perspective, from a professional real estate perspective, this would create an opportunity for more inventory in the community, for people to move in and create generate some more generate some more property tax for the city and uh, enable the residents to stay here that are currently here, uh, which is wonderful because we do relocation for our for our clients as real estate agents, and you know it's important for them to be able to stay where they want to stay. My grandfather actually moved out of the area for a little while, and he hated it. He's like, I got to get back to Huntington Beach, you know, because that's my place. You know, I want to be, and you know, I've been there. It's my home. And I don't want to have to see him leave here again. So, um, and then from another perspective, just from just a common sense perspective of like the traffic and the, the um, employees and stuff we talked about. If you guys have driven down Delaware or Florida or um, Golden West past uh, the, um, the Merrill um, property there, there's no traffic there. <laughs> there's nothing that inhibits anybody going by. It's construction that causes most of the traffic around here. And that's, a, and that's beach traffic going down that way. So, and half of the residents aren't even gonna be, you know, driving, and probably even half of the ones that are in the, the, um, the living facilities aren't gonna be driving either. So, and they're gonna provide transportation for these guys like Leisure World does and those guys. So, um, you know, I think it's, you know, it's imperative for us to embrace change and, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, my grandfather is, you know, he's close by to that area and I know several other of his friends are in that area. So, 
that talked about the social aspect, and they did a, um, a research study years ago saying these people lived to be 90 years old who lived in this community, and the common uh, factor of them being living to that age was the social aspect. So you gotta be around people, and you gotta be able to exchange ideas and stuff, and keep your brain active, and keep yourself out there. So um, and I think it's gonna be something that we need to have, and we know when these facilities, facilities get built, they fill up fast, so there's a need for these things. So I'd say, you know, I'd recommend for you guys to approve this, and, uh, and recommend council to approve it, and uh, thank you guys for your time tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, next, Mr. Smith. Well, commissioners, my name is Phil Smith, and I am a really long-time resident of this town. Uh, I think seniors need housing. Uh, this transition business is, is no joke. Getting from one place to another as you no longer need a three- or four-bedroom house uh, is tough. Finding any place near the town that you love is tough. Uh, but seniors also need this uh, tiered uh, uh, capability. Uh, healthy people are going to want to go a lot. Those that maybe aren't so healthy are going to slow down a little bit. And those who have health problems are going to need additional attention. So I, I'm speaking in favor of this project. And I, I would just say that I've noticed several speakers are referring to seniors as them. Well, I grant you it's a demographic, but they are us. And if we're not there already, I expect we all hope to be. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Smith. Uh, next, uh, Taylor Friend. Thank you, commissioners. My name is Taylor Friend. I'm actually here to speak about the existing use, and I'm actually speaking in favor of the project. So uh, I am a commercial agent. I work on office properties across Orange County. So I'm very uh, intimately familiar with, with this project, but also projects across Orange County. I work up as part of a team of seven individuals. We complete roughly about 100 transactions per year. Um, if I didn't mention it, I've been doing this 12 years. So uh, I do have quite a bit of experience in this area. After COVID has happened, office, no surprise, has changed dramatically. Uh, work from home has changed the landscape and the vacancy of what office was to what it is today. Uh, projects are suffering and we're seeing major changes. Uh, specifically, some trends that we're seeing are folks working from home, which is causing businesses to downsize their office footprint, so using less space, increasing vacancy. We're also seeing uh, consolidation of locations where a corporate office may have multiple locations. They're now consolidating those into single locations. So some of those may, may remain in the city, some moving outside of the county or even outside of the state. We are seeing what is most important, a flight to quality, which is just a reference to tenants and employers looking for higher quality office properties to attract their employees into the office to get people uh, to hire um, talent. And so we are seeing a flight away from class C buildings and B buildings, C buildings like the one that we're speaking about here today. 
Uh, the other thing that we're seeing specifically now digging into Huntington Beach is the vacancy level of office properties is actually the highest for office in all of Orange County of any city per uh, our report from second quarter. Uh, there is no other city that has a higher office vacancy rate at this point. Um, so that's, that's uh, the vacancy rate for all of Orange County is currently at um, 14% and we're at 29%. Um, digging right in, the problem with vacant office buildings is they attract unwanted and uh, unwanted attention and problems, crime issues, other things. Um, a building like this is also not being maintained at a level that is uh, beneficial to the community. Um, the rental rates also for this property are well below what market can sustain. So not only is it below market, but the problem is it cannot sustain maintaining the property. So it's only going to further degrade. At this point, uh, the only option really is to move forward with some sort of redevelopment. As they mentioned, it could go by right to some other uses that could be very detrimental to the society or the community. Um, I would recommend that you move forward with the project on hand. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Fenn. Um, could I ask two people so we can go a little bit quicker to come up? Uh, Lisa and Rebecca. I'm also going to call Walker. the following speakers down. Okay. Amy Santos, Louis Barbari, uh, Paul Glunt, Barb Chang-Holt, um, Tom Dillman, Christine Wendell, and Allison Meyer. And, and the next speaker, if they could come and stand next to the current speaker, because there's two mics. There you go. Thank you. Okay, uh, Ms. Santos, yes? Or who's, who's the next one? Um, I have it as Lisa, but. Lisa? I, Lisa? I could go. Yeah. Okay. Um, hi, thank you for your time this evening. I am a resident of Huntington Beach, have been for over 20 years. I live in the immediate vicinity. And I can say that the descriptions that have been described this evening about seniors seem to be entirely off. Um, this project that's being proposed is for seniors 55 and older. The majority of the units are slated to be for independent living. Seniors 55 and older don't go to sleep early. I mean, there's still a lot of life left. So to describe them as, you know, incapacitated, not enjoying alcohol, this place is proposed to have a rooftop lounge, a fire pit, a pool, all these wonderful amenities that people younger and older, well into their 80s, well into their 90s. I have two uncles that served in World War II. They were still drinking. So. Um, I think that that's a little bit off par for how it's being described, particularly with the, the units, the largest one being proposed at 2,300 square feet, and it's a three-bedroom. So that doesn't strike me as somebody who's convalescing um, that would need some large unit like that. Again, these are primarily proposed to be um, over 100 units for independent living, and people 55 and older do a lot of living. Um, additionally, that location has only one road in and one road out. Over the last 20 years, local residents, including myself, have increasingly been stuck at the stoplight, waiting for it to turn green. When it turns green, five cars get through, and then here we are again, waiting for the next red light. So it is completely 
jam-packed with traffic. When Brightwater was built, it got even worse. So we're dealing with major, major traffic congestion with just one lane in on Bolsa Chica and one lane out. I spoke with Mr. Hayden Beckman this week. The environmental impact reports do not portray an accurate picture because the metrics that were used are not accurate. They should have been putting a, a comparison of current metrics of traffic versus the new ones that are going to be occurring. That did not occur from my understanding. Right now, I can tell you I live in the area and the traffic that comes in, I see it all day and I see it all evening. It's hardly any traffic in that commercial building. So to change the zoning so it can be mixed use and having people that are primarily going to be living there in those 100 and some odd units for 55 and older, if there's two people in each unit, that's going to be over 200 extra people there. There's gonna be over 200 cars there. That doesn't even account for the convalescing people, the memory people. I'm all for senior living. I have a lot of seniors in my family. That's just not the right location, nor is it the right structure. And you talk about isolation, the worst place that people that are senior wanna be is in some tall building, isolated. If anything, they need to be out where there's more outlay of land. There's not enough land there. You're, you're putting them straight up in the air. That's hardly good for anyone's mental health to be in cement up in the air. Um, again, I understand that traffic accidents weren't taken into consideration for the environmental impact reports. That is a major four-way intersection with cars that are going 65, 85 miles an hour. I have personally witnessed accidents in that four-way intersection. The last thing I would want to see is someone that literally was that stereotypical senior that everyone seems to be talking about tonight, someone on a walker getting clipped right there on the corner of Bolsa Chica. And CVS and Walgreens, they're in talks right now to be closing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of their stores across the nation. So I don't consider that a good enough reason to build such a structure. Um, Additionally, I feel that it's taking away resources from current existing population in Huntington Beach. We are a large population with one nearly dilapidated hospital in town. So for trauma and emergencies, where are people supposed to be taken? We don't even have a good enough hospital in here to handle the current population we have. And now you're talking about convalescing people that will have emergencies at all hours of the night, 24-7, ambulances coming into the area, fire trucks. Thank you. It seems very irresponsible. Thank you. Next. Um. Are you Amy Santos? or, or are you? No, I, I'm Rebecca. Okay. No, Rebecca's next. And then Amy Santos, stand up there. <laughs> and then, okay. Okay, go. Oh, okay. Thank you. Great. Hi. I uh, wanted to add a comment here for Melissa Key, who is just coming back from being out of the country, longtime manager of uh, three properties that her family owns that are south of Warner and Bolsa Chica on Dunbar. Uh, Melissa was in support of this project. She'd been informed it was going to be four stories. Now that she found that the complex will actually be five stories and 65 feet tall, which is 18 feet taller than the existing executive center, 
um, which is set way back in the parking lot that she realized that would just be like with a 10-foot setback, that would just be towering and along Bolsa Chica, and she wanted me to express that. Um, I am a, a homeowner of 17042 Bolsa Chica. My house is right across the street from this complex. I'm the first residence. You've probably seen my gorgeous, magnificent uh, Morton Bay fig tree there that dwarfs everything if you've been to this site. Uh, and that tree, actually, a local Huntington Beach landmark. But um, our family has owned the property for over 70 years. Um, I have concerns about the proposed complex. The height is my main concern. Um, it's incompatible with the existing residences and neighborhoods. Um, a 10-foot setback from the curb, that's right up against the edge. Um, it, the area is, um, I agree senior housing is needed um, and is good land use, but I also have a concern why there are three bedroom units that are over 2,300 square feet. Uh, the complex as proposed would compromise the view of the residences on Bolsa Chica. Um, my property will be in shade from 2 or 3 p.m. Um, after that, uh, and other residents on the east side of Bolsa Chica will also be that way. Um, I also have safety concerns. All entrances being on Bolsa Chica, uh, it, it already there are existing traffic problems, and in case of an emergency evacuation, which we all saw recently on the island of Maui, um, it is, um, you know, the it is the access for all of Brightwater, all of Los Patos, uh, Dunbar, and all the apartments that are also on Bolsa Chica. Um, yeah, the complex needs to be reduced in height. Three stories uh, is really the maximum limit. Um, and I, uh, I agree, seniors need community and connection. And I just feel like having a monolithic building like that um, is is not a fit. It it really destroys the visual features of that little enclave, and um, it doesn't feel homey. If you've driven past, uh, there's a complex that's pretty close on Ellis Beach and Main. That intersection, the front building is actually only four stories, and it feels very monolithic. The one behind it, I think, is six. So if you look at halfway between the two, um, it's a very tall building, and I'm right there on the east side. So. Thank you, commissioners. I request that you request modification before approving it. Thank you. Thank you. And before you start, Amy Santos, um, can I have Mr. Mahara up on this podium ready to speak after she's done, please? Thank you. Okay, go. Awesome, thank you. Um, thank you and good evening. Um, I just wanted to really speak tonight a little bit about this project in my family that lives up in the area. Um, I wanted to bring it to everyone's attention that the notification for this was not mailed out to the single family homes in the area that back up adjacent to this uh, proposed structure. It's also, I do agree with the other members, it does not fit in our community. It's a five story building where most of our homes are one and two stories in that community. In addition to that, I have had the lovely privilege of actually working for a company that owns senior living facilities. So I'm very uh, aware of the inner workings. Aside from the traffic, um, we do have a two-lane entrance that goes in and out, and the proposed project currently makes a right exit right down Bolsa Chica, right down Los Patos, and right back into our single-family home community. In addition to that, um, a lot of these buildings and senior living uh, facility services, aside from having resident parking, visitor parking, um, 
and associate parking for workers, they also receive a large amount of supplies daily. Um, I want to bring it to everybody's attention that aside from the residences, you're going to have a large amount of vendors visiting that site to service the facility. That's going to include food delivery, most likely daily, alcohol delivery, because that would be a separate vendor, restaurant supplies. Now you're also looking at towel and linen suppliers that deliver laundry services. Um, oxygen and medical supplies, and we're not even to the transportation companies that are actually going to be providing these individuals access to daily facilities, medical appointments, um, or venturing out, out into our community. Um, I want to just say I'm not opposed to senior living. I am actually encourage the development of senior living, but not to this extent. Um, in addition to that, we're going to have uh, abundance of medical personnel that will also be attending um, ambulances, fire department, um, and this, keep in mind, is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year that are all set to exit down Bolsa Chica into our single family community. So um, my family and I, again, who did not receive this um, notification of this project or the opportunity to speak is actually opposed to this project. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And before you before you start, Mr. Meher. Okay. And um, are you Louis Babari? Yes, sir. No. You're next. You're next. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Mr. Mehera. Okay. Thank you, board, for um, hearing me out. Um, let me start. I was. I my family has lived in the immediate actual area for about over 20 years in Huntington Beach, so we're very familiar with that area. Kids went to music school there. They went to um, Aikido classes there, and, and also the Little Caesars there. There's a lot of commercial businesses that we really enjoyed, and it's really a shame to see that you're talking about rezoning that into something that you're not going to see the, those businesses even backfilling in there. So that's one of the concerns I have. Um, it's one word I'd say that building is ginormous. I don't know if that's a real word, but it's huge. And 50 feet, if that's a cutoff, and they're already, and it's alarming, they're talking about increasing it to 65 feet. I mean, nothing in the area looks anywhere close to that size. You're talking about a maximum height of maybe two, two stories high. Um, it just the look and feel of most cities, when they go through planning, they, they say, you can't build something that looks just out of the ordinary. It just ruins the whole landscape there. There's a, and um, I was really hoping that the planning commission could protect us so we can retain that kind of look and feel there. Um, it is concerning to, that um, I hear a lot of voices here, people talking over here, of saying, I'll go for it, but I don't know if they actually live in the area. And the people that you're hearing that are opposed to it, the consistent thing is they actually live right there. So we're, and day to day, we're driving in and out of that intersection. We know how much traffic's there. I think all of us really do care about our elderly. When they get, I mean, my mom is over 80. I care about her. I'm going to be there probably in, a couple, in about a couple decades. I'll be looking for something like that. So it's not like we're not unempathetic un about that. It's about is it the right spot to put that. So I, I, I just I was hoping that you guys could hear that out. Also, I, um, I underscore what she said about um, not receiving notice. We I'm in Brightwater. 350 houses out there, none of us received any notice. The only notice we received was in, Mar in February and it directed us to fill out a form on the applicant's site. 
which is really unusual because I thought usually it would be going to an independent collection of that so that the commission could read those and not be filtered through an applicant because then there's a conflict of interest there. So I thought I'd bring that up. But um, I thank you for your time, for hearing us, and good evening. Thank you. Before you start, um, Paul Glunt, is, are you Mr. Glunt? Yes? Yeah, okay. Go, Mr. Babari. Hi, hi, everybody. Good evening. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us. Um, I actually live right across the street, about half a block up um, in Cabo de Mar condos. So if you guys, everybody sounds like you've been driving the area. So my windows face, my kids' windows, the bedroom windows face Bolsa Chica. So um, you guys could always come over for a cup of coffee and um, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you in there on the patio and you can see. So the, um, the building itself that there, that's being proposed, um, again, I think everybody has a heart for seniors. I'm actually, I'm excited because I'll probably be moving into one soon, so. <laughs> um, but the, the building, the, the size is, is the main thing. It's huge. Um, Cobble de Mars, 288 condos there. And we don't have, nobody has air conditioning. So there's going to be this five-story building blocking that ocean, that beautiful ocean breeze we get. We're not going to see the sun after 2 o'clock in the afternoon on, on certain time of the year. So um, it's a major, major building, guys. Um, and again, I know it's hard, and we're all like, yeah, hey, we're all for development. We want to build. We want to think about seniors and all that. But it's in the vicinity of a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of individual homes there. Brightwater, when that was built, you know, there's a ton of, they're gonna be affected tremendously by the traffic. We are gonna be affected just by the, by the, the direct impact of, um, of the, the noise, the, the, the light, all of that stuff. Um, it's funny when they're talking about reduction. I don't think it's fair to say that there's going to be a, a reduction of uh, traffic. You know, let's be real. It's, the building's going to be six times larger than the current building there. So six times, right? We're going from a 50,000 square foot to a 300 square foot building. So it's obvious there's going to be a lot more. I don't think Little Caesars has that many employees, you know? So um, it's going to be, it's going to definitely be an impact. We can't just say no. So again, um, do we need it? Yes, we need it in the community, um, but I think they're the, the size, five stories, I think that's a bit much, um, and hopefully you guys will agree. So, um, all right, and apart from the, do I have time? Yeah, the, the hospital situation is true. I've had my boy who was rushed to the hospital, and they turned him away from the Huntington Beach Hospital because there was no room. You know, they, they sent him to Hogue, so that's an ongoing issue, as I think many of many people have experienced. So thank you very much for taking the time to listen. Thank you. All right. Mm. Um, Barb Shangholt, could you T come Tom Dillman? Huh, yes. Excuse me? Oh. Go ahead. Yes, uh, good evening, uh, commissioners, staff, Fellow citizens of Huntington Beach, my name is Tom Dillman. I'm a resident of Huntington Beach. I live about several hundred feet away from this proposed uh, uh, complex. Uh, I think it looks great. The, a very colorful presentation was put on by the developers. It looks good. However, I think it would fit in much better 
in a city like Long Beach or LA, the way it's, the configuration is specifically the height. I took a, a quick net search before I came out here and I saw three different assisted uh, senior living uh, facilities, uh, Merrill Gardens over on Golden West and Warner, Seaside Terrace and uh, Carmel Village in Fountain Valley. The one on Golden West has got uh, 121 units and it's three stories. The one in uh, Fountain Valley is two stories and the other one in Fountain Valley is three stories. This one is almost twice as tall as these other units, complexes in, in our area. It's just way too tall, it's just too massive. It's, it's like sticking the Mall of America right next to this building and, and this, that's what it would look like. Uh, I also have some issues as far as the statistics, the stats in the presentation about re reducing the traffic on Bolsa Chica and Warner by 50%. I'm, I'm wondering what the methodology, was that from Caltrans or I don't know, the other stat was uh, something like tw cutting you know, 12 times the average daily trips. I'm, I'm wondering what, how that statistic was arrived at. Um, Basically, it's, it needs to be reduced to three stories to fit in with the area. I'd like you to vote to continue this petition, but kick it back to the developer and have them come up with a, a three-story uh, uh, design for your to review. Another reason I ask this is because um, the voters in Huntington Beach approved uh, it, voted in our city council on one of the planks was that they would limit, you know, high, uh, high density and tall buildings. And this fits in that category. So I ask you to respect, you know, the will of the Huntington Beach voters in that we, you know, I'm not anti-growth and I'm not anti-senior citizens, but it has to be done with what the community voters have decided when they voted in our city council. And that, Big thing was to, one of the planks was not to have like these huge monstrosities. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Glunt, Mr. Glunt, you come up now and um, she's gonna speak first. Okay, go ahead. Hi, my name is Barb Changholt. I'm a resident of Brightwater. Um, I'm also speaking on behalf of some other members that could not attend tonight. Um, there's a winter solstice study that on the Warner side at 2 p.m., the deep shade covers four lanes of traffic. As the afternoon progresses, the shadow will lengthen and enter the very busy four-way intersection, thus causing drivers to leave a fully sunlit lane and enter a very deep sh shade lane, all because of the proposed five-story building. This presents significant safety issues both for drivers, bikers, and pedestrians. The deep shades of the five-story building creates a significant impact on humans, animal life, insect life, plant life, everyone. It is, it, this area is not designed for a building of that size at all. Yes, this area could use an improvement, perhaps, yes. But putting something like that there is just way overkill. Not to mention, when someone mentioned that there was a rooftop bar, whatever, entertainment center, 
There's the Coastal Commission that has told us in Brightwater to limit our lights because for the, for the wildlife. If this building is going to protrude all this light from it, it's, it's gonna damage the, the wildlife there too. I Googled earlier, or actually someone upstairs Googled, and I kind of overlooked. There's 32 assisted living communities in HB. I think if you want to put another one, this area is not the place to put it. There's a whole street down Beach Boulevard that we can put something like this. There's, there's buildings that are tattoo shops that are like, or, or areas that are run down. Let's rebuild that area. Don't put it in a residential area with all of our families that respect and want to keep this area decent and quiet and a good living area. Um, um, the noise factor of the construction, that's going to have a huge impact on people. People have been known to, uh, there, there's lots of, um, three years of demolition, that's gonna be a lot of headache for all the residents there. And you're gonna do subterranean parking, and you're gonna dig up the ground? I, I, no, <laughs> this is just ridiculous, and all the people around there are gonna get frustrated, and people are gonna get on top of each other. It, it's not a good situation. So I really, hope that you reconsider this project and find another area to do so. Thank you. Thank you. Christine Wendell up there. Okay, Mr. Glunt. Great. Thank you very much. My name is Paul Glunt. I'm a resident of Huntington Beach. I live about a mile from the proposed site. Uh, I'm an accountant and an attorney, and I'll be honest with you, when I came here today, I was going to try to wow you with facts and figures and things that are in my wheelhouse. Uh, lots of notes that I'm not going to read. Uh, I think uh, all of my uh, neighbors have really covered adequately. And, and to be honest, there, there are tons of reasons, facts and figures, objective reasons to not have this monstrosity towering over uh, our neighborhood. But really, I, I think I just want to talk about something that's more important, I think. It is what makes Huntington Beach special. When my wife and I moved to Huntington Beach, we, looked, we lived in LA, which was fine, uh, and we wanted to live somewhere special. And we looked all around California. We chose Huntington Beach. It's magical, it's special. The pier, the wetlands, the harbor, everything about Huntington Beach is special. When I walk around my neighborhood, I feel something. I feel happy that my daughter's being raised here. And when I sit here and I think about what this would look like, that we're going bending over backwards to change our zoning rules to build a 65-foot monstrosity, that's the word, word that people have been using, and that's the only word I can think of. It sticks out like a sore thumb. And I, I have to ask myself, do we want to be the council that starts chipping away at what's magical about Huntington Beach? That's not a place that I want to be. Uh, I love Huntington Beach. and. God, I'm getting emotional, sorry about that. Uh, but I really want you to think about this, that it's not just facts and figures, it's the thousands and thousands of people who live in Huntington Beach, and we want to be here because Huntington Beach is magical. Thank you. Thank you. Wendell? Christine Wendell? Yeah, hi. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you for listening and allowing me to um, share my voice with you. 
I'm also a long-term resident of Huntington Beach. I was born at the Huntington Beach, dilapidated Huntington Beach Hospital in 1969. I've lived in Huntington Beach all my life, except for my college years. Um, I've raised my family here. Um, my, I also have two aging parents who are 84. Um, they live happily on their own. Um, they're very active and very vibrant. Um, when I think of Huntington Beach, then my parents moved here, bought a house um, on Graham and Warner, off Graham and Warner in 1966. Uh, what the, that attracted them to Huntington Beach from LA was just this beautiful little beachside community, very quaint, very welcoming, very um, just a great place to raise their family. Um, my parents own businesses, we own businesses in Huntington Beach. Um, I just would hate to see it turn into, you know, this urban sprawl. Um, we have the Edinger Corridor. We all know what that looks like around Bellaterra and Golden West College. We have the Beach Boulevard Corridor. Lots of tall buildings. We do have lots of um, senior living communities in and around Huntington Beach. Um, I'm here today. I'm a resident of Brightwater. I just want to stop this urban sprawl. Um, again, that corner of Huntington Beach, I drive through that intersection about 15 times a day, picking up, dropping off kids. It's not conducive to a 65-foot, um, five-story building with 10-foot 10 10 easement from the street. That intersection is already so busy. I agree, there's only one street in and one street out of, for all those homes. And it's just not the right place for such a monstrosity. I'll use that word again, because that's what we all think it is. Um, I thank you for your time, and I hope that we can keep Huntington Beach, or at least that, our, that area, that residential area, as quaint and as lovely as it's always been. Um, this is not the corner. Again, I'm, I'm all for senior housing. I'm all for transitional housing. I think we do have a lot of it, but we don't believe that that is the corner for a five-foot-tall monstrosity 10 feet from the, from the street. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Last, last speaker is Allison Meyer. Good evening, council members. I'm not a great public speaker, but I'm passionate. Pull it down so you're not bending there. <laughs> I'm passionate about opposing this project. Mm -hmm. um, my name is Allison Meyer. I've lived 30 years, uh, a half a block from where the proposed building is going to be. And I, too, like Mr. Gant, chose that area because it was charming, it was beachy, and it was where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. Uh, it's absurd to think that anybody's going to benefit from this except for the applicants. Uh, as far as the quality of life for the seniors that live there, are you trying to build this club med, this uh, you know, pool and parkside? I mean, the view from the backside of that building is buildings. I mean, most of the residents, I bet $5 million that not one of them will take a walk around Brightwater. The density in that area is so thick. From Algonquin all the way to Balsa Chica, there is a myriad of apartment buildings, and on the other side also, plus Brightwater, the traffic is horrendous. I live there. I hear it 24 hours all day long. We just can't bear the infrastructure to have more traffic. Uh, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, uh, the lights, the deliveries, 
the ambulances, the everything. It's just absurd. And having it five stories tall, what are we trying to have our community look like Santa Monica, a city on the sand? I mean, if seniors wanted a great place to live, develop it near the senior center on Golden West or let them go near Leisure World. It's just, that's the worst place to have that. So uh, thank you for all the residents that came to speak to oppose about it. I'm surprised there's not more here, but a lot of people didn't get the notices. So thank you very much. Thank you. At this time, it's, um, we're going to close the public hearing, and it's time for commissioners to deliberate. So um, I believe Commissioner Kennedy is the first one that would like to have some comments. <clears throat> Thank you, Chair. Uh, first off, everybody here uh, likes seniors. So anything that happens tonight has zero to do with whether or not we adore our seniors. I guess I'm a senior. I got my ARP card 12 years ago. Um, I've been here my entire life. So my observations, uh, I stand by our study session um, when, when I kind of drew some observations, so I want to restate some of them for, the, for those that are here. So personally, I, I think it sets a bad precedent when we look to change zonings that were just laid out by our community development department in 2017. So there was, this is not an antiquated land, <clears throat> land use plan that was put in place just six years ago. That, that's my first thing. I'm just gonna go through some bullet points. I, I've got notes. There's probably gonna be a lot of non sequiturs here, but uh, some of the things I wanted to address is, uh, first and foremost, 200 units to the realtor that uh, alluded to, this is not gonna free up housing for the young at heart. This, these will not be affordable homes. Everybody says Huntington Beach is not affordable as it is. People that can afford the, uh, the rent at this location are not leaving modestly priced homes. So I just wanna put that on the record. Secondly, on the uh, unit count, so when you do your traffic study, you know, I, I don't think as some of, you, some of the people have pointed out, these are multiple bedroom uh, units. So I think you were using a one-to-one -one relationship on the unit count to the people living there. And I don't think that's a fair statement when you come to trying to reconcile the parking need or lack thereof. Another point I wanted to, to point out is, um, so suburban office is different than office. Office, urban office is an asset class that has been destroyed by COVID uh, and work at home. Suburban office, on the other hand, one of the big drivers, if you watch any of the city council meeting, is work where you live. So suburban office is an asset class that right now is ripe for the purchase by new investors because it has been price affected. But the bottom line is with the companies with the return to work mandates that a lot of these companies are pushing out, there will be a need for suburban office. So I wanna make sure that uh, people do understand that. Um, uh, when it comes back to the parking, these are gonna be vibrant seniors. And if the goal was to accommodate those who live here by their family, they're gonna have families that are visiting quite often. So there's, I didn't hear any reference to accommodating the, just the family, the visitation and the need for their parking as well. 
Somebody brought up something that said, you know, we want to accommodate the seniors because they want to be here. <clears throat> well, the seniors that were here long ago were here because they wanted to be here for the wide open spaces. And they drove. <laughs> they were the, that was the driving force of what attracted people back then. Now, we do all age, so the driver of this project is now the aging seniors who loved the wide open spaces decades ago, and they want the accommodation, which is fine for, that, for them to want that. I would probably want that too. You know, we all have our favorite radio station. What's in it for me, WIFM? But um, you just, I, I just believe this is too much building too many asks, like I said, this is a heavy lift. We're looking to have a land use change, a zoning text amendment. There's, there's just a lot of things that are in play right now that should have been thought of less than six years ago when Huntington Beach was laying out their general land use plan. And again, as I said in the last meeting, I don't think it's because you in the building department lack foresight. I don't, so I can't put that on you. I, I think you logically laid out the plan then. The other thing that also uh, I raised in the first time, I, I've spoken some planners between this meeting and last in the general study. The, it's, it's a little bit of an aberration to hear that the applicant wrote the specific plan. Somebody stated it's some of the norm. I found that to be contrary to what reality is. I did call for the notes. I asked Matt for the notes. He did provide. The applicant wrote the specific plan. The city had iterations. So I asked our building department to send them to me, and they did, and I did a side-by-side -side comparison. I thought, and this is not a slight to the city, but I thought the uh, edits were so passive. It's, hey, I need the word standard here. Change this from the to them. So de minimis that they that the applicant did apply every one of them. The one they did leave out, though, I found interesting was when it came to utilities in the specific plan written by the applicant, it did raise the, it made the statement about overhead utilities. Now, you guys did put in a notation that said, those will all be underground. And this was just something that just struck me as, why did they get all the other edits and in the specific plan? Now, they may say, oh, we missed it, or we'll do that. But I just thought it was a little bit of a tell that they left that edit out in their new specific plan. So I, I didn't really appreciate that because that is something I think that was done intentionally. You can't miss that one. It was more writing. So I, I didn't necessarily really think that that was uh, uh, well thought through. So I, I just... You know, I hate to say this, I personally, from everything that is being asked of the planning commission, of the city, of the variations, of the concessions, it's too much. I do have a word written down here, and that word is compromise. I think we could all look to compromise. Now, the applicant, in their own specific plan, stated that they are trying to achieve maximum density and I can understand, because the capex on this is going to be enormous, so you need to be able to monetize those rooms. And I just roughed out some math based on some general rule of thumb on the, what I would uh, estimate the, the build cost, the, the fees, 
um, and all the different things. And I believe the applicant, when I, when I said, what do you think the rents are going to be? And they kind of gave me a, a, an idea like, we don't know. And I, I didn't really appreciate that answer because you've run a capital performa. And um, when I said, well, they range from 3,000 to 10,000 with a medium being 5,200. When we came back to the rents, uh, I think the applicant said, yeah, you hit it right on the head. It's going to be north of $100 million on the CapEx, and the rents are going to be at about 5000 Well, when you run, uh, if, if, if I just roughed out. I took the rents times by 12, times by the unit count uh, at 5000 and then I, I, I looked for some general rule of thumb at uh, senior housing expenditure, and uh, the percentages range from 60 to 80%, so I took it 70%. Uh, at at $5,000, you're building... You're building like a two cap, three cap. Um, you want to buy a high cap rate, build a high cap rate, sell at a low cap rate. So the rents are going to be eight, nine, ten thousand dollars in my opinion. I've talked to some people that have family members in senior living uh, that pay seven, eight thousand a unit for facilities nowhere near this good. So I guess my final statement would be: I believe there's room for compromise. I believe that. Um, if, if they wanted to take that into consideration, you could lower your construction costs, so you, there's a savings there. Um, but I, I believe that even these residents here, if you could figure out a way to build a three-story building, uh, maybe reduce, you know, this is high-end. Somebody referenced it being close to a club med, and that's fine. If, if this was off in Northern Heights and Beach where maybe the industrial, uh, you want to change some land use over there, you know, I, I would imagine there'd be a lot less resistance, but right in the middle of you know, a residential intersection, it just seems to be too much, wrong location, too big, 65 to 70 feet is enormous. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to support this initiative, so thank you for your time. Commissioner Kayla Acosta-Gavin. Um, Aiden, I had a, a couple questions. So just clarifying, um, another project, like let's say this project doesn't occur and another developer comes in and they say that they're gonna build something that conforms to the current use. Uh, that current use allows them to build to 50 feet in height, which is, that would be about four stories, uh, to a 10 foot setback. And we project that that could generate up like a maximum of 7,500 daily trips, would that be correct? Yes, that's, that's correct. Okay, and additionally, that project would not be reviewable by the Planning Commission and it would be by right. Uh, there are a couple of iterations where a commercial development could trigger a CUP. Um, in the same context as this project, uh, the grade does have, uh, the site does have a grade differential greater than three feet, so more than likely it would come before the Planning Commission as a conditional use permit. For, for the grading? Was it? Okay. Correct, yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, could you address about the specific plan? We've had these come before us before, uh, and I know that applicants have written them. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, and do you mind going into uh, the general plan, like how that development happens for the general plan and do we typically use general plan amendments? Is that something that has come before the commission before? Uh, they, they have come before the commission before. Um, I think most recently there was a project up in Bellaterra 
that involved the general plan amendment that also included a specific plan where they they were it was an existing specific plan and they were modifying it to accommodate development. Um, but just to back that up, our, our general plan was most re recently updated, as Commissioner Kennedy pointed out, about six years ago. Um, and a number of elements were consolidated, and all of the new goals and policies that were developed that were adopted by the council envisioned about a 40-year planning period. State law requires at least a minimum of 10. So we, we have taken steps to ensure that the goals and policies that, that we developed and proposed to the community for adoption were responsive to what we believe the needs to be. Um, we don't always get it right. Again, it's a living document, um, just as the zoning code is a living document and can be amended by either council direction or an individual property owner, business owner, what have you. Um, so it remains a, a very iterative process. Um, so I wouldn't really call a general plan amendment common, but it remains an existing and accessible mechanism for new development in, in the city. Okay. Uh, and last question. So uh, the traffic has been brought up. So in the environmental impact report, did that compare uh, current traffic levels to what the proposed project will, will impact? So in the context of the environmental impact report, um, for the record, the first step in developing an environmental impact report is something called the initial study. And the initial study is an examination of the project comparing it to established thresholds of significance that are outlined by the California Environmental Quality Act. When the initial study was developed for this project, um, that analysis determined that the proposed project would result in a net reduction of daily trips um, when compared to commercial uses. And that metric is established by, I believe, the ITE guidelines. And as referenced in, this, in the environmental impact report uh, were the 2021 ITE standards. And so um, these are independently developed professional metrics that were used. Um, and so as a result of the initial studies review of this project, the any additional analysis was quote unquote scoped out. It was it was simply determined to be not potentially significant of an impact for this project. Um, the the trip generation uh, rates remain the same for any development project. Um, and in addition, the, the applicant did develop their own parking study so that um, used similar metrics but more focused on their scope of use and what the change in land use would actually result in. And so um, to that effect, there's not a, I think some folks had, had talked about levels of service or you know, what impacts that would have to traffic and circulation. Um, the conclusion of the environmental impact report via the initial study is that they would be less insignificant. Right. Um, actual last question. Uh, so I recall from our study session is uh, vendors and EMS service sites, they won't run, they won't enter off of Bolsa Chica, right? They're entering off of Warner? That's correct. So the building has been specifically designed to provide a dedicated emergency vehicle, but also service vehicle deliveries uh, and waste management vehicle access from Warner. It's a write-in only and a write-out only, um, and that's located at the more, more of the westernmost portion of the north side uh, along Warner. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Twining. Thank you. Um, I just want to point out a couple of uh, uh, statistics real quick. Um, Huntington Beach, it, total area is 29 square miles. That's it. It's a relatively small city. Uh, we have the ocean to the west. 
and uh, uh, 2,000 feet in from the mean tide line is all under the control of the Coastal Commission. 95% of Huntington is built out. There were several suggestions tonight to move elsewhere, go to Long Beach, go to Los Angeles, go to Santa Monica. 12 years ago, we moved my mother-in-law here from Oceanside and we moved her into Huntington Terrace where she started out in independent living. I mean, in independent living. Then she went to assisted living. Then she went to memory care. And 10 years after she moved in there, she died there. And it was nice to have her close by because we could go see her all the time. My wife went and visited her almost every single day. So any suggestion to move to Long Beach or LA or Santa Monica, <coughs> to me, is, is just kind of a non-starter. Um, one thing that hasn't been brought up tonight, and I might have to direct a question to, <coughs> to Hayden. I, I don't think a lot of us have thought about what could happen to that site should we vote tonight to turn this thing down. Do you not think that a, another developer might come in and he's not gonna build a senior living center there, and he's gonna build a 180,000 square foot, five story or four story commercial building, is that gonna be better? Or how about a, or how about a, 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 a multifamily high density uh, uh, development there that's gonna put 210 apartment units in there where everybody drives? Is that what we want? I, don't know if that can happen, but I think that if, if this developer can, can come in and, and, and basically petition or, or uh, ask for a, a, a zoning change from, uh, from commercial, then another one can come in and ask for a, a zoning change for high-density residential. Is that correct, Hayden? Uh, anybody can propose a, a new development project, and, and what would be different is the slate of entitlements in order to make that happen. Correct. So they they could write the, the the zoning amendment with the help of the of the plan of, of the planning department and yourself, and we'll be sitting up here a year from now talking about a 210 unit uh, multifamily uh, high density residential that could be five stories uh, tall because they, it's allowed with you know density bonuses. Is that correct? It is possible. Thank you. This is a rare property over in Huntington Beach when you consider we're 29 square miles bordered to the west by the Pacific Ocean, 95% built out. There's maybe by my count, and I've kind of been in the, in the development industry in, my, in my, my career, there's really like three or four hot properties in, in Huntington Beach right now. One of them is Beach and Stark. Uh, this one, uh, there's one over on Magnolia, I think, you know, I think it's not maybe Talbert or Ellis. I know the developers are looking at that. Um, there's not many. There's just really not a lot of place to, to build here in Huntington Beach. I grew up in Huntington Harbor. I, there's a, there was a gentleman that spoke in favor of this tonight. I lived, I grew up in Huntington Harbor. I moved there in 1966. I've been a 58-year resident of Huntington Beach. I want to see Huntington Beach stay just like the rest of us do. Is, is this site the right site for senior living? And I ask, I've asked myself, I don't, 
I can ask you, I've been asking myself because I've been really pondering this for the last several days. Who, do I, who would I want to be next door to me if I lived in Brightwater or if I lived in the, uh, in the, in the condos or if I lived in those apartments? Do I want, do I want 210 units of high-density living that's going to be five stories, the same size as this, with everybody in the place driving? Do I want a five-story, you know, 180,000-square-foot residential, I mean, uh, commercial building? Would I like the seniors there that aren't going to really drive at all? Um, I'm, I, I, like I said, I'm so on the fence over this, and I, I, I gotta, I'm trying to play the long game here, and um, it's, it's tough because, you know, as I counted, it was 12 to 5 against this project, and I, thought, I really thought it would be the other way around because I thought you guys would like to have uh, uh, seniors living next to you. But, again, I, I, I'm... I'm pondering, so uh, I can't really, you know, say where I'm gonna, where I'm at on this thing. Um, I just don't know. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Adam. Please. Yeah. Thank you, Chair. I don't talk much up here, but I'm going to take a few minutes today. Um, first of all, I want to clarify for Commissioner Kennedy um, a little bit on the specific plan. Give you a little more background on it. So I've probably done, worked on 60 to 80 EIRs, at least 50 specific plans. The, the general, again, I'm just generalizing I'm based on my experience. Specific plans are typically written by applicants or by cities. It's, it can happen either way, and it's pretty common that it's, call it 50-50. Typically, a specific plan is written to formulate the idea to get the city on board, or it's written by the city to attract future development. That specific plan is always done generally first. Then the EIR consultant is hired, and in almost every case, the EIR consultant is picked by the city that's running that project. I have never seen a specific plan internally withstand the scrutiny of an EIR analysis. Almost 100% of the time, the specific plan will have to be modified to meet the CEQA findings, and this is all done before it gets out to the public. It's all done through internal review. It's very rare for a specific plan written by an applicant or even by a city to stay exactly as it was when it goes through the CEQA internal process. And then once the CEQA process is done and it's finalized and the specific plan is then modified to reflect consistency with CEQA, then it goes out to the public. So. Um, again, this is just a generalization, and I appreciate you going through it, but it, it's generally there is a bit of a safeguard between specific plans and CEQA kind of is how the EIR is generally the biggest driver of the final specific plan. As for, I'm going to, you know, I, there was quite a few comments. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised that people didn't talk about hydrology and water and sewer, but um, you're going to hear me talk about it a little bit. So... <laughs> The hydrology, there was a couple comments provided that um, actually it was on a form letter, so it came in a number of times that the proposed project would potentially, at first it said it would potentially cause flooding on adjacent properties, and then it went to a conclusion that said it will cause depth of flooding to increase at both Chica and Dunbar. And those are, those are big words. To cause flooding to another property is a big deal. Um, so obviously I, I, that drew my attention. So I did go through the hydrology report, and it, I came away with a different conclusion. I found that the existing hydrology um, mostly sheet flows off the property through V gutters and delivers it to the 
to the curb and gutter, which is the form, major form of conveyance to the catch basins. And the proposed project would put an area drain and pipe system and essentially eliminate most of their water from entering the street, thereby creating additional capacity for adjacent runoff that uses the street. So I, I found the conclusion, the, the comment provided in, the, in a, a number of form letters um, didn't appear to have reviewed the pro project hydrology, which is okay, but I just, I guess I wanna give people assurances that it's very unlikely for this project to cause or, or exasperate flooding somewhere else. Um, and certainly the city should be on notice, Public Works, that that intersection of Bulls Chica and Dunbar should be verified through the final, if the project moves forward and there's a final hydrology, that should be queued up and make sure that the applicant directly responds to that. But their current study would show it's, um, it, it's unlikely to happen. As far as sewer and water, that did come up and it came up actually in the public, uh, in the uh, study session. That one gets my attention too because general plans are regional water and sewer studies, water supply, sewer conveyance, sewer treatment. They do use those general plans. That's how you base all of your long-term decisions, all of your capital reserve, all of your, how you're gonna spend in, you know, 50 to hundreds of millions of dollars in your future on keeping those systems um, intact and, and that they function. And so it's really important that a project that comes in and changes potential water and sewer, it's okay on a project by project basis, but if you see that happening across all cities in Orange County, that's a problem for Orange County Sanitation District, right? So you do have to pay attention to what water supply assumptions are for the general plan and then what the proposed project. And so I've, um, good or bad, it's not an exciting job, but I've had to do probably 40 of these types of studies in my career. And so I did evaluate independently and found that the water and sewer projections for the existing zoning and the proposed project are essentially identical. You can, you could, I won't go into greater detail, but in this case, um, for those who are concerned about it, um, this project as proposed would be consistent with the types of water and sewer demands you would find from the existing zoning. So that, from some, it should not cause a problem and it's reasonable to understand why the city agreed for water and sewer services to the proposed project. Um, a little less technical, but um, this is probably, it, my way on this, on this board, I come in here, I look at projects, I read the documents, I typically talk to the city. I typically talk to the applicant if they ask. I come in here and I make a decision. I don't think much about it before and after. It's just how I work. This is the first project that I've spent quite a bit more time mulling over. Um, I have a new puppy. It forces me to be social. It, <laughs> this puppy's extremely cute, so everybody I talk to, everybody I see wants to talk. So I have spent a little internal campaign talking to most of my neighbors. I live within walking distance of the neighbor of, of the proposed project. Um, so I, I, meet, I know most of my neighbors, I've been in my neighborhood for a long time, but I've met quite a few others. So I, I made a conscious effort to talk to people I don't know about this project. And I, my gut told me I was gonna find a bunch of no's. I thought everybody was gonna hate it because everybody I talked, social media, everything you see is we hate development, no building in Huntington Beach, no change in Huntington Beach. Um, that's that's kind of all I hear. And so when I talked to a number of residents, um, I got some of that, of course, but I also got quite a few people 
that were supportive of it. They, I have, uh, in, our, in our neighborhood where I live in, there's very few people actually in my wife and I's age. It's mostly elderlies and mostly quite a few younger people. And it's very predictable, the type of response. The, the, older, the older folks who are close to looking into those types of facilities were very supportive. The younger folks where that's not on their mind for most of them, unless, unless they're their parents live in Huntington. If their parents do not live in Huntington Beach, they said, nope, no project, not worth it. If, the, if those same residents' parents lived in Huntington Beach, they were much more open and supportive of the project. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. It's all about what, um, it's a very personal decision, I guess you would say, because if it doesn't suit your needs, then you don't want it, right? That's very natural. But I was surprised that there was about a, half the people were supportive and about half were not. So I, uh, I expected something different, and I was surprised. And, and I will share this is, this is personal for me. Um, my parents lived in Huntington Beach until 2001, and uh, much to the kids' dismay, they chose to relocate to uh, the Central Coast, which has had its own perks. But I remember my father saying that, that him and the, my mom, and, or yeah, my mom and him had actually looked at some senior facilities, and I remember that, but I didn't think I had it right. So I actually called him and talked to him about it last week, and he confirmed that before they moved. They visited all the senior facilities in the city of Huntington Beach at that time, and none of them fit what they were looking for. Now, I'm not going to tell you that's the reason they, that is the sole reason they left, but it was at that time they left the city of Huntington Beach, and that was one of the reasons they left. Not, not the sole reason, but they did take that into consideration, and they felt they did not have a place to move to in this city. So, you know, now that they're in their 80s, I wish they were still here, but I can't change that. So, you know, um, the last part is this is probably going to get my wife and is going to be mad at me, but I actually have a family member who takes singing lessons at this musical facility um, on the property. So if this specific plan does move forward, I hope Heinz is sincere in their relocation efforts, because if you don't, I definitely will hear about it. But um, based on all that, I am going to be supporting the project. Um, I know the height's a concern, but I do know that the first, the first height you see it 50 feet is basically what the existing zoning is, and then the setback is for the additional 15. So um, I know it's not perfect, but based on some of the things that Commissioner Twining said, I'm in the same boat, but I'm, you know, I guess I'm ready to say that I'm supportive of the project. I think the city needs this type of development. Um, you can go anywhere in the city, and there'll be a bunch of neighbors telling you that that's the wrong spot and go somewhere else. I mean, that's common. That's all you hear. Um, I know there was a ton of people that did not want Brightwater back in the day. They thought Brightwater would destroy the wetlands and destroy everything back there. I don't think that's the case. Um, so I mean, it's just kind of, you see this typical, um, but I think the project has the merits and I'm, I'm gonna support it. Thank you. Um, are there any other, uh, Commissioner Rodriguez? Yeah, I just uh, think to share the same sentiment with Commissioner uh, Twining and Commissioner Adam. Uh, you know, I live on Beach Boulevard, and typically the conversations that I hear around most of the time is like, let's push everything towards Beach Boulevard. You know, when the homeless shelter came to, to our side of town, I could have done two things. I could have supported it. I could have come and protest, right? But in my opinion, I thought that supporting the the shelter on Beach Boulevard in Slater, which is where sort of where I live, 
uh, it was a benefit for the entire Huntington Beach community because I knew that wasn't going to be approved in the Huntington Harbor area or any other area besides Beach Boulevard and Slater or close to that area. So, I mean, with that being said, I think we, we make sacrifices. Sometimes the sacrifices don't equal the benefits. Sometimes the benefits don't equal the sacrifices. But I think in this situation, when we look at the, the, the development, what's currently there, what could potentially go there, um, does it meet the needs of the local community or the surrounding Huntington Beach community? I think this is the best development that could go there, a senior project uh, where a lot of seniors aren't driving. I know a lot of people don't agree with that. I know a lot of people don't agree with the height. Um, I think uh, overall repurposes the commercial area. Uh, we talked about com uh, declining in commercial real estate. We see the market, the market trends. Uh, I mean, they don't lie. It's not something that is just pertains to Huntington Beach. It pertains to all over the U.S. Whether that be related to COVID, whether you believe in it or not, I mean, that's just the market trends, and that's what it is. Um, and also, I think it's going to bring good local paying jobs. So uh, when we talk through the construction phase, those are temporary jobs, but it also will bring jobs to uh, regular folks that are looking to live in the city. And those jobs, I would hope, would pay you know a good amount of money so that residents can stay and live here, um, sort of that live where you work type of thing. Um, so again, I, I just wanted to share my support for the project and um, yeah, so thank you. Um, Commissioner Wood. Thank you, Chair. Um, huh. Yeah, it's a tough one for sure. Um, we have um, a lot of opinions about uh, the massing of that building, um, but I do also share some concerns that uh, Commissioner Adam and Commissioner Twining have brought up that uh, it could be something worse. I think we've all seen that today um, one of the popular types of development is the industrial buildings that are going up at Bolsa and uh, Bolsa Chica. Um, I don't think this site would would uh, be big enough for one of those, obviously. But um, based on the current zoning, there certainly could be a, a use that's fairly intense and doesn't get you much better than what's being proposed, in my opinion. Um, some things that stuck out at me was in 2020, the city did um, put in their housing element um, policy 5.2, which is very supportive of senior housing. And I think we'll all agree that senior housing is a need, um, depending on location, I guess. Um, and the other thing that I noticed was going through the EIR, um, it's pretty rare that you see an EIR with um, so many limited impacts. Uh, generally, there are more um, significant impacts as you go through each of the items throughout the EIR. And in this case, um, that was very, very limited. So um, the EIR contemplated all of the issues regarding traffic, air quality, noise, and the impacts are extremely limited. Um, the other thing I noticed was that the architectural style of the building and the way it has been presented is a great representation of the seaside bungalow with height and materials, with high-end materials, with elevations that provide relief with some of the single-story elements along the frontage 
as well as step back upper story articulation, which reduces the massing of the structure. So there has been consideration to get some of the massing off of the street and set it back further from the curb on Warner and Bolso Chica. Um, and there's no doubt that um, we do have an aging population that's been discussed. Um, and I think we had a speaker who commented on the fact that in today's world, the older office space is no longer viable. Um, and most of those older buildings are gonna be redeveloped as something else. And this is a perfect example of that. Um, so in my opinion, um, the applicant has um, provided a facility that provides care for different levels of seniors mm -hmm. at a high level with very high amenities. And, um, you know, at this point, uh, I'll be supporting the project. Okay. Um, do, Commissioner Kennedy? Thank you. Just a couple closing comments. It seems evident that this is going to pass. My, my, my final thoughts are you can what if all day long. Well, what if this doesn't pass? What are we going to get next? Um, so I'll just leave that there. The thing about Brightwater, Ian, maybe you don't know, Brightwater was a huge compromise. The original plan was dramatically, dramatically bigger on the housing count. And all the builders, I think it was Lion Homes, maybe Lennar, all those big builders, their original plan was enormous. And so the word compromise was very fitting for, for Brightwater. I think anybody's asking for a compromise here. I know I would speak on behalf of how I would view this if I was a resident in, in that uh, area. Nobody's opposed to senior living. You can what if this thing all day long. Um, and so with that said, um, th those are my final thoughts on that. And, and regarding the jobs, um, when the thing's built, sir, um, those construction jobs will go away and you'll have 100, 120 employees. Um, any other use would provide jobs in that number or in excess of that number that would be well-paying jobs as well. So that's a wash, if not a negative, on the net job count because, as they've stated, they're only going to need 100, 120 employees. If there was something else built, if we did take that what if and build something else, I can guarantee there would be more than 100 well-paying jobs in that locale. So. Um, with that said, we'll, we'll see what happens with the vote, but. Uh, no more commissioners, right? Oh, okay. Commissioner Twining. Uh, just, just, just a couple closing comments. Um, there was once a famous philosopher that said, life is a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That was Forrest Gump. 2005. Um, we know what we're going to get here. Uh, Commissioner Kennedy said, yeah, we, we the, you know, if, if it stays commercial, it'll develop more than 100, you know, it'll, it could develop more than 120 jobs, but at what, at what cost of, you know, a four-story, 800,000 square foot commercial center there that's, gonna, that's going to uh, 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 develop a ton of traffic? Um, who knows if it's a, if it's a, 
if it's a multifamily, high density, uh, uh, multifamily residential, that's going to create no jobs except for maybe the apartment manager. Um, I just, I, I truly believe that creating, you know, and this is just me, I, I truly believe that creating senior living facilities should be seen as a socially responsible endeavor. We get it. It's too high. It's too big. It's, it's, it's not quite in the, excuse me, you want to go? Somebody else want to talk? Excuse me, okay. But senior living addresses a genuine need within our community and, and can have a positive impact on the lives of our seniors. Uh, many who have spent a majority of their lives here in Huntington Beach, and they don't want to move to Santa Monica, Long Beach, or Los Angeles. They could be our parents, uh, your parents. Um, and, and, and I believe this, this project actually gives, a, a gives our seniors a, an option. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be supporting the project now. Thank you. I do have one last question. Commissioner Kennedy. I have one last question for the building department. Let's say this does pass and in, in, they get their entitlements. Is there any guarantee that they will build this project or do they have the ability to sell this entitlement, you know, sell the entire project off after it's fully entitled and have some kind of a new variation come out without any further city oversight? I think there's really two questions there. Can entitlements be sold? Yeah, so they get their full entitlements. They said they're not going to go hard on their, uh, on their purchase of the real estate until they have irrevocable entitlements. So getting to that, to that okay. answer that question is there are time limits. I believe it's 24 months that they have to act on the, on the entitlements. They could, it, it could be a transaction that they sell to another developer, um, but the entitlement would have to be as approved. So if there were changes to that, depending on the delta of those changes, it could warrant coming back to the Planning Commission. Can the developer answer that question? Well, before they do, what is the delta? I mean, is it ten percent of a variation on the entitlements? Five percent, fifty percent? Which it's, it's not a fit? percentage, so it could it could be anything. They grade it differently. The heights. I mean, in most cases, unless it's very very minor, it would be beyond what we would approve administratively. It would have to be truly minor in scope. Okay. And are we going to get any guarantee from the developer that they will be placing those utilities underground uh, underground as as the city? Amended there. I believe that's a condition of approval, correct? It, it's a code requirement. It's, a co it's, it's required by code. Okay, it should have been in the specific plan. Any other commissioners? Okay, um, my turn. I just wanted to, um, first of all, thank all the commissioners for their input and thank staff for everything that this was a tough project I have to say in my opinion um, I wanted to just go over a couple things that uh, the speakers had um, it and this is probably for you mr. Beckman I believe okay um, can you address why there's some of the uh, residents in this project that are two and three bedrooms The ultimate design and layout of the facility falls outside of the, the scope or the purview of what discretion the city has when it comes to 
these types of uses. And so um, there are some elements of the operation that will be guided, as I'm sure you know, by the type of license that they pursue through the state. Um, but largely, uh, if the future project is consistent with the scope of 202 units, um, then generally we would leave that uh, up to the operator to design. Okay. Um, and then notices. Could you address the notification that went out to residents and affected sure. uh, businesses? Uh, absolutely. So uh, the minimum code requirement for public notification is 500 linear feet from the property. Uh, and that's for both property owners and occupants. And so the city received uh, mailing labels and, and checked those mailing labels for all of the owners and occupants within 500 feet. We then mailed letters to meet the minimum deadline. Um, and so it is unfortunate that we hear commonly uh, at public hearings that some residents didn't receive them and there could be a number of reasons for that. Um, perhaps they're outside of the 500 foot radius. It doesn't, it sounds big, but you know, linear feet uh, for larger scale projects may not actually en encompass that many. Um, or there could be other issues with delivery or addressing. Um, so it's really, uh, it's not a perfect science, um, but I can at least verify that the city in going through uh, was consistent and complied with the minimum requirement for notification. I, I believe one or two of the residents or persons who came up here and spoke said that they had gotten an earlier notification but not a later notification. I don't know if I'm if I heard that correctly or not, but so there 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 have been a couple of notifications that were sent either by the city or by the applicant that date back to November okay. 2022. All right. Um, it could have been one of those. It could have been okay. for this. All right, and then um, one of the uh, speakers said that there's 32 assisted living in Huntington Beach. Could you address the occupancy or um, how many people are housed with those? Or do you know? You know, I don't know off the top of my head, but in the context of reviewing this project, you know, I am aware of similarly sized facilities. Uh, uh, there's mm -hmm. about six that are of similar size. But again, that's a, that's a, there's a, a scale. There's a, a spectrum of the size and the intensity of types of uh, facilities that provide these kinds of services. Um, so I don't have hard numbers for you on that. Okay, and I know in the last presentation, you went over the uh, projected needs of the seniors at Huntington Beach. Could you review that really quick? Do you know that off the top of your head again? That may have been the applicant's okay. presentation. Was, was that the applicant? Could, could you please come down and address that, please? Thank you, Mr. Beckman. Certainly. Sure, the uh, discussion at the beginning of September with regard to supply and demand outlined uh, the existing senior living facilities in the city uh, from memory care through independent living. The existing number of units in the city is approximately 600, 650. I don't have the numbers in front of me. And there was a recently approved project uh, across the street here that's gonna deliver about 200 units. Mm -hmm. And then this project is 200 units. Therefore, the projected number of units in the city would be 1,000 based on the total amount, uh, including those two proposed projects. Uh, by 2025, uh, i.e. two years from now, the study that um, we ran suggests that the demand for senior living units would be 2,000 at that time. And so the unmet demand is approximately 1,000 units uh, in the next two years. 
I guess the other piece of information we provided was that the total number of uh, folks over the age of 65 is 70,000 uh, by 2025 in the city. Um, so those are, those are the numbers on that. With regard to the two-bedroom and three-bedroom question, I want to make sure we address that too. Sure. sure. Thank you. So um, there's only two three-bedroom units okay. that are proposed in the community. Um, looking at uh, all of the properties that we've owned and developed throughout the Western United States, generally speaking, um, our residents are moving from much larger single-family homes and would like to maximize their amount of square footage that they have available to them. So our fastest leasing unit at any uh, in any one of our communities is the two-bedroom units. However, you can only build so many two-bedroom units in any community. That's why we have a mix of ones and twos. The two three-bedroom units that are available uh, are really just the larger square footages for those two individuals who might want the additional square footage. Okay. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank Be you. Before you exit, gentlemen, may I ask you, what's your definition of independent living? Sure. So independent living is, uh, there's really four levels of senior housing, as we call it. There's the 55-plus active adult. There's independent living, assisted living, memory care. Then outside of that, you go into a medical, more of a medical environment, which would be skilled nursing facilities, convalescent facilities, things like that. So generally speaking, uh, independent living, as we see it across our roughly 1,300 units um, that we own, manage, uh, is roughly 82 years old. Um, and they require limited services, limited dining services, limited transportation services, um, and uh, and essentially, as they continue to age in place, they'll take more, more uh, frequent care with their daily uh, requirements. Okay, but for the record, for example, when you guys are counting the available units, does a 55 and over senior community with independent living not, is that part of your unit count? Generally speaking, 55 doesn't have any services. Right, uh, but and, you and just said independent. I'm, I'm talking independent, living, independent living. living. When you were talking about unit count, and lack thereof here in Huntington Beach. I know we have some large communities. I think this gentleman over here lives in Landmark. Is that not considered independent senior housing? Yeah, we, we do include independent living, assisted living, and memory care in the metrics. It's technically called age-restricted housing. Um, and so those are complexes that uh, do not provide daily dining, do not provide the types of services that this building would provide. It's really just uh, an older individual that wants to live in an apartment-type environment uh, with older folks. So that's right. not what this is. I, I know it's not what you're building, but is it considered senior living independent housing? When you guys talk about the lack thereof here in the city, are you factoring in communities like Landmark that have an, a no, big sir. footprint? You're not. No, correct. Okay. Yes, that would be, we're talking about communities that were providing services for seniors, not okay. age-restricted living. Well, you didn't preface it by that. You just said independent living units. I mean, again, it seems like this is a no-brainer. It's going to pass for you guys. But I'm just, the way you've delivered some of the messages was a little ambiguous. And I, I just, I don't think you, you were clear on some of your deliveries. But that's neither here nor there. That's my opinion. Thank you. Okay. So I would like to continue since I let yeah. everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'll come back to you. Okay. So don't cut me off, guys. Okay. Um, I'm done, I think, with you guys. And I wanted to thank you for coming back up and explaining that. Thank you. Um, and just to reiterate that this is not a skilled nursing facility. This is not a convalescent home, which is the same thing. And um, I'm going to tell you that, in my opinion, change is always hard. And I remember um, being a school on the school board when we sold the 
the Bolsa Chica property, and which was eventually um, built into the Brightwater, and I had several friends that lived on Los Patos, and they were devastated. But after a while, they were okay, and I'm hoping, I'm gonna be supporting this project, and I'm hoping that you two will at least accept this project and know that it's a need for this city, in my opinion, and, um, and, and, and on a personal note, when my mother-in-law, um, we had to move her from Chicago to here, and there wasn't any place close that was like assisted living that we could be in close contact with her. And both my husband and I both worked, and so um, I would have loved to have had a facility like this for my mother-in-law. She went into an independent living which was really, really difficult, and, and um, it was really hard on her. So anyway, with that, um, I think, Commissioner Adam, did you have a comment? I'm, I'm done with mine, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm done, thank you. Okay, all right, at this point, um, Commissioner Kennedy, you're done, right? Yeah, okay, thank you. All right, at, at this point, um, I'd like to um, c conclude commissioner's comments at this point and move forward with uh, asking if there is a motion on this item at this point. Does anybody have a motion? Make a motion? Did we have two motions to pass? Didn't we have to pass? Wasn't there one motion to pass the EIR and then a second one to. So isn't, aren't we supposed to be making two motions here? Certainly, Commissioner, if I may, just to reiterate staff's recommendation, it would be motion to approve conditional use permit 21024 with suggested findings and conditions of approval. And subsequently, we would ask for a motion to recommend uh, four actions before the City Council. One, to certify the EIR as adequate and complete, and then also to recommend adoption of resolutions supporting general plan amendment, zoning map amendment, and an ordinance for the zoning text amendment. What he said. No. Um, so can, can we combine them all? Uh, we ask that they be independent. So okay. uh, again, just to reiterate, the commission's discretion for this project tonight would be over the conditional use permit, and then you would be separately making a recommendation of approval to the council. Okay. Can we somehow get the fire alarm turned off up there somehow? Thank you. Okay. So I'd like to make a motion to recommend the certification of the environmental impact report number 21004 as adequate and complete in accordance with CEQA requirements by approving draft city council resolution. That number will be determined by the clerk's office when okay. it's processed forward. For a number to be determined by the city clerk's office. That's my motion. Do I have a second? I'll second. It's been moved by Commissioner Twining and seconded by Commissioner Wood. Um, like to call for the vote. We have six ayes, Commissioner Kennedy voting nay. Motion passes. Thank you. Next, do we have a, uh, you gonna make the next one too? Sure, why not? Okay, good. I make a motion uh, to approve the general plan amendment 21004 by approving draft city council resolution number to be determined later. 
zoning map number 22003 with findings in attachment one by approving the draft city council ordinance number to be determined later and zoning text amendment number 22005 with findings by approving draft city council resolution number to be determined. Do I have a second? Full second. It's been moved by Commissioner Twining, seconded by uh, Commissioner Acosta-Galvin. Uh, I'd like to call for the vote, please. We have six ayes. Commissioner Kennedy voting no. Motion passes. And the last one. Okay, one more. I make a motion to approve the CUP permit number 21024 with findings and conditions of approval for attachment one. I could second that one. It's been moved by Commissioner Twining, seconded by Com Commissioner Rodriguez. Um, I'd like to call for the vote. There we go. We have six ayes. Commissioner Kennedy voting no. Motion to pass. Thank you. Yes. I just briefly want to uh, read the appeal language. Um, it's only the CUP, which would be considered a final action tonight, that's appealable. The other actions you've taken are legislative recommendations to the council. But in terms of the CUP, um, a decision of the Planning Council can be appealed to the City Council within 10 calendar days. An appeal must include reasons for such an appeal, any required fee, and shall be filed with the City of Huntington Beach City Clerk within the 10-day appeal period. Thank you, Mr. Steiner. Okay, at this point, and thank you. There we go. There we go again. All right, um, just one second. Okay. We're now at the consent calendar of tonight's meeting. And next we have minutes uh, on the consent calendar. And um, I'd like to ask commissioners if they have any edits or comments. No, hearing none? None? Okay, let me do that. Um, Okay, I'd like to first, uh, I, we have to do them separately because I was not here on the 25th. Okay, so I'm gonna ask for a motion to approve Planning Commission meeting minutes July 25th, 2023. Do I have a motion? Motion. Okay, second? Second. It's been moved by Commissioner Twining, seconded by Commissioner Rodriguez. Um, can we call for the vote? Oh, yeah, wait, whoops. <laughs> whoops, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, we have six ayes, and Chair Pullman abstains, motion passes. <laughs> thank you, and thank you, Commissioner Twining. Um, next uh, would be the Planning Commission meeting minutes for August 22nd, 2023. Do I have a motion? Okay. I'll make the motion. Commissioner Adam, and is there a second? Oh, you did. Oh, it's not showing up on my thing. Sorry, it's different people push the button, so it, it had a problem. Um, <laughs> well, Commissioner Adam made the motion, and Commissioner Twining second. Um, can we call for the vote, please? That one I can vote on. Okay, all ayes, motion passes. Thank you. All right, at this point, um, we're done with the minutes. Um, Non-public hearing items, we have none, correct? 
Okay. And next on the agenda are planning items. Can staff provide a report? Yes, I just wanted to let the commission know we do have items coming on the 10th. Um, we're actually uh, planning to schedule a study session. So just as a reminder, study sessions typically start at 5 p.m. <laughs> um, and these are two um, city-initiated projects. It's a zoning ordinance cleanup to okay. address a number of things and a zoning map cleanup, and they will be explained at the study session. And we'll likely bring those back at the, then at the second meeting of October based on the feedback we get. And thank you, Mr. Schneider, for reminding us all that the study sessions start at 5. And we will, we will reiterate that. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Will, will there be an agenda as well for a meeting, or will it just be a study session? There'll be an agenda, and there'll, okay. be, yeah, there'll be reports as well put out. Okay. Okay, and before we close for the evening, do planning commissioners, do you have any uh, comments that you'd like to provide? Hearing none, guess what? This is the last item on the agenda, and we are hereby adjourned um, to the next planning commission meeting, which is on Tuesday, October 10th, 2023. Done.